welcome to Estradile Illusions, and happy Pride to everybody except for corporations who are running in fear from far-right bigots. For I mean, for what reason? I mean, are we really going back to a world where we say, hey, less Pride, homosexuals, go back in the closet, fuck you all, you're not... You'll never be part of my world. That's what the that's what the people who are all upset about the Black Mermaid are uh, trying to sing to Target to get them to take away their pride, and it's kind of working. I mean, that's the sad part. This episode is not about rainbow capitalism, a subject, frankly, we've shit on in pretty much every other uh, Pride Month that we've done. But this episode is about something that is also kind of yucky about being LGBTQ. And that actually happens uh, in all sorts of months, not just this one. But I'm headed to the East Coast for two weeks, and I figured I would uh, do this episode while the story was still fresh in my mind. Happened uh, just before Pride Month started. So I had a grinder date with a... It is kind of a question for why. You know, I usually, if it's a Tinder date, I say Tinder. And if it's Bumble or OK Cuphead or. I really hate that one, Field, which is kind of. I call it classier Grinder, but I like the fact that Grinder is Grinder. There is something nice that Grinder doesn't pretend to be another app. Like Hinge. Hinge calls itself the relationship app. We must all ask ourselves. Is it really an app that's suited for building relationships, or is that a marketing ploy that everybody else has fucking just bought into? I get asked about this a lot, especially from straight people who listen to my show, and they say, well, isn't Hinge supposed to be the relationship app? I mean, who told you that? Oh, wait, they told you that. That's just their marketing team. They're very, very smart. They figured out how to brand. What is... I I hate Hinge. I think that... I actually think it's kind of a low-key homophobic app. I've heard that from a lot of LGBTQ people. And yeah, the app sucks. You're not. You don't even have a bio. It prompts. This isn't about that though. This is about Grinder. Hinge makes to me. Hinge makes Grinder look good. And actually, they're kind of similar because neither neither one gives you much of a glimpse of of who a person really is. They don't. I mean, they both kind of have things that substitute for bios, but it's not really. But I was out with this this cute boy who I was still kind of getting to know. I hadn't really talked to him before. We decided to meet at the beach, and uh, we were having a cute little date. And uh, I really liked him. He wasn't... I, I was throwing a lot of tests to kind of expose whether he was a creeper. And he was passing all of them. And I also kind of got the sense that he knew exactly what I was doing. And he kind of thought it was amusing. But... So, we go back to my place. And we're having a snuggle in my Tempur-Pedic beanbag known as the Black Hole. And uh, this guy's just like... He's so quiet and shy. And of Shy, I guess, is definitely the right word, but uh, I was very into that as somebody who talks way too much. Uh, <laughs> surprise, surprise. And I was asking him, like, you know, what are you passionate about? So he's telling me that he really loves, uh, he makes elaborate meals, he loves to cook for people, and he has these dinner parties. And instantly I'm thinking about the NBC classic series uh, Hannibal, and I smile at him and I say, you know who else liked to throw elaborate dinner parties? And he's looking at me and I just say, Hannibal Lecter, and he makes kind of a funny face and says, well, how do you know I'm not Hannibal Lecter? And then instantly goes, I, I can't make that joke. I can't make that joke. Playing off, of course, you know, you can't tell a woman, especially not in her own home, especially not a trans woman, and I, I'm, I pretty much go into every date ready to be murdered. <laughs> funny, but it's, also, it's actually not funny, it's, and it's sadly true. You know, you have to be worried about that stuff. 
And I was like, yeah, you know, it's uh, funny that, you know, I can make those jokes and you can't. And then uh, we got to talking and it was very apparent. And I, I confessed a little later. I'm like, you know, my my guard is always up with these kind of encounters and it takes some time to get it down. And, and he really did kind of deserve a, a lower guard. He was very cute, hadn't done anything wrong. And yet my guard was just so active the whole time. Because when you're a trans woman out on these dates, especially something like Grinder, which is a very sex, I was about to say sex positive. I cannot call gr- what Grinder is sex positive. It's almost sex negative and sex like uh, desperate or or sad or sex. It's not sex positive. It's sex mopey. <laughs> it's sex misanthropic. <laughs> But it's also like you get messaged by these people and it's like, okay, do you want to fetishize me or do you want to be me? Do you watch too much trans porn? Oh, you're interested. You're interested in me as a trans woman. Please, please tell me the bombshell now. Tell me what is wrong with you. And a lot of people would say, well, how do you... They could say that that reflects back on my self-esteem. No, it's bombshells lurk across every corner. The only reason I worry about this stuff is because I have seen it time and time and time again. And I have this cute boy in my apartment who all I want to do is fuck him or have him fuck me. And I'm just waiting, waiting on the world to change his world or my world to change because he's going to tell me exactly what he's doing here. What, what little fetish he is worried about so we get to talking and i was like saying you know i'm i'm frequently objectified uh people uh fetishize my vagina or you know there are some people who want to sleep with me because i have a trans vagina likewise this is something that actually if you've watched the series pose in the first season chris maloney's character he's abusive and he cuts off electros played by dominique jackson because she wants to have the surgery, you know, the big one, the snippy snip. Uh, it's not just the snip. You know what I'm saying? We don't have to. <laughs> she gets, she gets re- kind of a reverse transphobia for, you know, there's there's some people who reject you because you have a dick if you're a trans woman. It's a much much rarer feat to be rejected for not having a dick, and that's something that I actually had experienced a few months ago from. A fairly attractive uh, bisexual boy. Uh, his name is Fred. I'm, I'm, I don't know his last name or anything about him, but he lives in L.A. And he was on his way. He was on his way to Long Beach before he wanted to double check that I had a dick. And I'm like, what the fuck? And uh, anyway, I did not hang. He actually came to Long Beach, and uh, I was so grossed out that uh, I was like, you know, go back. I'm, I'm not fucking meeting you. This is disgusting. Uh, because my profiles also make my genital status very clear in all of them so anyway that's that's kind of beside the point i live in i i live in fear of like getting getting close with a guy and then learning just exactly why he's into me and this is kind of the whole theme of the episode but cuz i was kind of explaining to the other guy who the the guy that i'm currently in the story having the snuggle with who i don't want to name cuz he didn't piss me off <laughs> but like explaining all of this and I, I kind of said you know i have been rejected for not having a dick 
And then he looks at me and goes, wait, you don't have a dick? And I, I met this guy. I know this guy for like two, two and a half hours. Like, I don't know him. So my jaw drops. And he's like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I had you for a second. And I just like lean back. And, and of course, I, I'm not like a lot of LGBTQ people, but certainly I'm probably in a slight bit of a rare category as someone who I'm pretty much incapable of not telling any person, stranger, whether I've just met them or otherwise, Basically, not just my life story, but, but deep, heavy shit like, instantly. And that's, that's what gay people do. I actually just watched a movie on Criterion called Weekend, which has Tom Cullen, who played uh, the Lord Gillingham on Downton Abbey. Uh, it's basically about a, a grinder, sort of a weekend, not really a one-night stand, but like a weekend stand uh, with, with a gay guy. And, you know, it's from 2011, so it's probably a little bit more closet-heavy than I would like, but it's a it's a pretty good movie and certainly an experience that I, sitting there watching it, being like, yep, yep, I've lived through that, I've lived through that part, lived through that part, lived through that part. If you did a trans one, it would be like, okay, you want to sleep with me? Is that because you want to be me or is it because you jerk off to a lot of trans porn? And that's kind of like a two-genders type situation. But I say to, I say to the guy that I was currently with at the time, you know, I don't want to be with anyone who views my transness as, as the primary driver of their attraction to me. Basically, I don't want to sleep with fetishes. And he kind of looks at me and he's like, well, what's wrong with that? Part of me is like, shit. Not because I'm worried that he's one of them, but I'm also not, like, really scared at this point. So, I don't know. I guess I felt maybe a little comfortable, but... He says, like, what's wrong with that? And I lean back, and I'm thinking about it. I like, to, I like to give people honest answers. I don't rush to, like, be defensive or anything like that. If somebody asks me a question that I legitimately don't know, I stop and I try to think about it. You know, thoughtful person. I like thoughtful people. And if you like thoughtful people, it helps to try to actually also be a thoughtful person. And I looked at him, and I said, you know, I don't want to be someone's fetish. But in the week and a half or so since this happened, a little bit more than that, just a teensy bit, I guess, I've thought about it. Because we have to kind of, like, think, what's the difference between somebody's fetish and somebody's type? For example, like, j just think in your head the an example of a conventionally beautiful cisgender woman. You know, whether they're, hair color, everything about it is kind of superfluous. We we can all kind of think of a, just think of the hottest celebrity, cisgender woman celebrity you know. And if if you're on dating apps or uh, in your 30s and, and dating period, guess what? There's a lot of very hot people, especially in LA, a lot of very hot cisgender people. And those people certainly get more matches than the hottest transgender people. And those people, the hottest transgender people, presumably get more matches than somebody like me who is, uh, I I'm not hot. <laughs> Some people could say, no, no, you are. I am not. Uh, and it's not a case of me being, uh, not, uh, fake modest or anything like that. I, I know I'm not a 10 out of 10. And there are 10 out of 10s on apps, and there are cisgender 10 out of 10s. And the cisgender 10 out of 10s get more likes than the transgender 10 out of 10s. And we're, we're seeing, like, a hierarchy. More people go for 
the hottest cisgender women than anybody else. They're the apex predators of the uh, dating realm, the dating sphere. We we don't need to turn that into like a semantic debate or anything because the algorithm knows them, and certainly this is the world we live in. Those people are also objectified by their beauty. It is not the same as trans people being objectified by their transness, but it is still objectification. And it also, frankly, is probably fetishization. But it's different because it doesn't carry the, the sting of the stigma that trans people have to deal with. And certainly it does not come with all the emotional societal baggage. Like, oh, I don't know. I was on a date last year where a guy straight up asked me if, if other dates were embarrassed to go out with a trans person. And what did I do? I racked up his bar tab all night and ghosted him. Fucker. And I don't feel bad about it at all. <laughs> but I guess what I'm getting at is that objectification happens. And it happens across barriers of gender. I mean, hot guys get objectified. I would be kidding myself if I wasn't objectifying the guy that was asking me the question because he was extremely hot. He played hockey, lived in Orange County, long hair. I'm not even embarrassed if he's listening to this because, I mean, God. He was really hot, and we did the whole, you know, he said, I'd like to see you again, and I kind of did a wink-wink and was like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to see you again. And then I did the, but... If this is just something you're saying right now because you're here and a, a day later you're like, you know, I don't need to see that crazy trans person again, that's also okay. I had a great time. <laughs> he gave me such a weird look when I did that. It happens. I mean, this is kind of the world we live in. And I'm trying not to be in the world where I have to put up with people who only are interested in me because of my genitals. I don't want to be fetishized. I think probably what I have in common with the super hot cisgender women or the super, you know, the super hot matches, we don't even need to take gender into consideration, but what I have in common as an individual with the very hot people who are getting way more matches than me is that we all want to be seen as more than just our surface level beauty. I know I have like the sporty gay appeal. I, I know that I attract a certain type that's been proven time and time again, and I don't hate that. That is a character that I play, and that is a role that I buy into. I'm not apart from this. I am part of the system, and I'm trying to kind of grapple with my own part in all of it. But to present myself as a sporty gay, or even to, like, put on a bunch of makeup and go out to locations and take pictures, which is totally something that people do. Some of my friends do it. I could put a lot more effort into my aesthetics and probably get more results from that. And I, I do it to some extent. I, you know, I'd be, I, I put up a new picture that has been getting me a, a very positive reaction of the past week. My friend uh, went with me. Not went. It was something. I dressed, basically, assuming that I was going to have a pride picture taken. And we took a bunch of takes. And I did say multiple times, you know, if one of these looks well, it's probably going on my apps. Which, you know, it's something I'm totally aware of and still did it. So... I do kind of, in some instance, want to be objectified. And here is where we're getting to the heart of the issue. I want to be objectified on my own terms in a very specific way. I want to be objectified by being an adorable skater girl. Not an adorable transsexual. One of those things I chose. I chose the skater aesthetic. I did not choose the transgender aesthetic. That was chosen for me. 
And to some extent, people's own individual attractions, their own kinks, their own fetishes are also not chosen. However, the people who are super into trans women specifically because they're trans women are fucking creepers. Most of them do not know how to behave. And, and my entire sort of approach to dating is, is, is designed to weed them out. And maybe this is something that hot, hot cis women don't have to deal with because, you know, they get so many matches they can just go out with the hot guys. And sure, there's some shit ba- there are plenty of shitbags there. Uh, I've encountered plenty of them as well. But uh, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't get to that realm of just sort of base level creepiness. None of them have to worry about being rejected because they don't have a penis. For example, <laughs> I have all this surgery only to be told, oh, wait, if only you still had your dick. Like, what the fuck? And sure, smart women or women who just basically want to think. I mean, think about, like, in the 1940s, gentlemen prefer blondes. Marilyn Monroe. I mean, sure. Plenty of people get fetishized for a lot of different reasons, but it certainly doesn't hit as hard as you don't have a dick. I don't want to be with you. I only like women with dicks. I mean, that's happened. Uh, I, I've had I've had people who were at Boston College, BC, with me at the same time, two years younger than me, people who uh, I matched with out here who know people who I know, real people, I, I guess— not just sort of back backwater fetishists who don't even have won't even show their picture on Grinder, but real people I know fetishized my own surgery to me. And I guess like there's the people who act really disgusting about it. But what about the people who have those thoughts that think it's really hot that go and sort of wank off to a vaginoplasty surgery? I mean that's pretty gross. But what if they do that and then they don't tell me about it. They just act like a gentleman. I never know. In theory, at least, that could go on and on and on and actually not be a problem. What you don't know can't hurt you. That's not, unfortunately, true, as, as a lot of closeted people know. When, you are, don't, when you're not authentic with the world about who you are, that can lead to unforeseen consequences that affect the rest of your life in ways you can't really uh, predict or control. And... That's kind of why the fetishists, like, I, I really want to avoid them. And a lot of times it's actually, in, in plenty of ways, easy to avoid them because they can't help it, and it does kind of surface in weird ways. Of course, this has been happening more lately with people where it hasn't, where they, it hasn't necessarily surfaced and they've gotten kind of through my gauntlet or what I like to call the grinder gauntlet, which is a smaller version of the gauntlet, basically proving that somebody is normal. But then I've had the guys who are like, you know, gee, Ian, why are you so obsessed with people being normal? What is wrong with them being weird? What is wrong with them being into trans women? Like, is it wrong for a guy, an upstanding member of society, to proudly declare, hey, I prefer trans women to cis women? On the surface, that's really not the worst thing in the world and it also if we're being honest it's probably it's it's not a super majority it's certainly not most of the guys in the world but there are some men who prefer trans women to cis women that's true sexuality is a very weird thing i mean just for example i much prefer butch women to you know a marilyn monroe or a jane russell type gentlemen prefer blondes general well you know trans women prefer softball players And yeah, that's not true, but there's plenty of gentlemen who don't prefer blondes. 
But I guess if we're thinking about it, maybe I hate I hate arriving at like destinations in, in these types of discussions where you think to yourself, maybe the problem is me. Because all of the trauma and all the shit that I've been spewing out about why I act the way that I act or when it comes to dating is to protect myself from the fucking weirdos. So if you say, maybe I'm the problem, you're kind of saying, well, maybe the weirdos who help create this, this ecosystem that sucks so much, maybe they're actually not to blame. And that's not something that any of us really want to, like, engage with on any serious level. But... This one, maybe the one serious level within there that is maybe worth engaging with is the idea that maybe it is true that I don't want to be with the men who prefer trans women to cis women. That answer, the reality of that, which is probably true, I'm, I'm going to admit that it's almost certainly true, it has nothing to do with self-loathing. I have plenty of self-loathing. I loathe myself. I celebrate myself now. I am not Walt Women. <laughs> I dislike myself immensely. And part of that is because I'm trans. This is really a great Pride Month special. I hate myself, and it's because I'm trans. <laughs> no, I actually do. I, I Being trans is, is, is a gift in a lot of ways, and it's a, a burden in plenty of others, just like being alive. But I want to be seen as a person. And that takes two to tango. That's something that uh, all women, all people dealing with uh, the dating world, real life apps, blah, 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 blah. We all have to deal with it. We have to wade through a lot of shitty people, a lot of people who suck, a lot of people who are just fucking boring and they suck too. Maybe not in the most like hateful way, but just, you, you know... It, you're not obligated to go out with anybody. And some people are just, you know, they're not really bad, but they're not great either. And that, that just, blah, we don't like that. And my trans identity puts additional barriers in the way of people seeing me as a person. I don't want to be, I don't want people to go out with me or certainly I don't want people to fall in love with me because I'm hot. I want them to fall in love with me because I'm funny. As I uh, make a podcast where I pretty much all I do is whine. I tell jokes elsewhere. I'm very funny in real life. But as I make my way through the world, I have to carry the burden of the way that society sees trans people. And that's a spectrum of good and bad, but within that spectrum is, is basically the spectrum itself is basically bad. Because our representation sucks. Trans people are constantly murdered or are played by cis people who have had no hormones. And like a, a, a cis man who's just wearing makeup as a trans woman, that's a really... We have to deal with that. It's, it's not good. If people think trans women are like you know, Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes in To Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, that's not good. That doesn't do us a lot of good. The better representations, the popularity, trans porn is so, so popular, and that has expanded the pool of people who are interested in dating trans people. That's that's kind of a good thing, but it's kind of like, you know, here, have a sip of this water, it'll hydrate you. By the way, I peed in it. Get a super, super eager guy who wants to take me out to a nice dinner. Uh, so great. And I find out, gee, he wants to reenact his porn fetish that he saw on... I mean, I, I don't watch porn, so I don't really know a lot of this stuff. I do know that trans porn is, by most accounts, uh, among the most popular in the world. That is... 
to say it, call it a double-edged sword kind of implies that there's a good edge to the sword. In theory, it's good. It increases our visibility in some ways. But, I mean, visibility in a lot of ways sucks. I actually kind of hate visibility. I have one of the top three, three percent of uh, most popular pages on Facebook. What has that gotten me? A, a more popular podcast for me to act more unhinged, I guess. That's what you fucking do, people. Does it get me normal dates? No. God, maybe that's just what I want. Is it wrong? I mean, I feel like so many trans people can relate to this idea. And and actually, I, like, this kind of goes for anybody who lives in L.A., in a big city, basically not a rural part of the country. Although, frankly, in some ways, they're included too. I feel like a lot of us just want to go out into the world and meet somebody normal. I'm not normal in a lot of ways, weirdo, but I'm also not, like, I don't go out with people to, to wish fulfill a fetish. I go out because I want to meet and connect with people on a personal level for them. And that's kind of the heart of why I hate the fetishists. I don't want to be a replacement level transsexual. Because I'm already in kind of a weird category. There aren't a lot of post-op trans women out there. I mean, there's more and more. But uh, what I like to call a first summit when I'm somebody's first time with a post-op person... Uh, they can often act weird and they treat me like an alien. And I'm like, hey, here's what you need to know. Dick goes in hole. Clit is exactly where you fucking think it is. And it's the thing, guess what? Surprise, surprise, surprise. It looks like a clit. It's actually trans clit much easier to find than cis clit. My G spot much easier to go. That's really helpful. So there's a lot of people out there who want to have sex with a post-op person. They want to see what it looks like. They want to smell it. They want... So up close, personal, the wild, blah, 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 blah. And meanwhile, there's all these other parts of me that I love. My brain, uh, my soft, soft hands, all sorts of things. I like to... I'm not just going to go over to some stranger's house and fuck them. I, you have to... There has to be some kind of activity. It's got to be some sort of connection. And I hate the idea... This is why I make people look me in the eye when we fuck. I hate the idea that as they're sticking their dick into me, their mind is elsewhere. No. You would look at me. You will not fetishize me. You will stare at me. You will see me. You, you can't be fetishized to such a degree if the person is forced to confront you, not the idea of what you stand for. When they rub your tits, you want them to look you in the eye so they're not imagining a hotter girl with that same maybe little bit bigger pair of breasts. I don't know. And you could say, well, maybe you're not the best fit for the casual realm, but I have needs too, and I like to play the game. But we like to play the game on my terms, and part of those terms means that if you're going to be with me, you're going to get an experience that you cannot get anywhere else. That's why fetishization is actually a cheapening of me, because it's so far off from the experience that I like to do. And whether that's good or bad, you know... I'm not trying to package myself as the greatest lay of all time, but what I am saying is I'm trying to be something other than what I've been trying to be lately, the One Tree Hill theme song. I don't want to... No, we've done that before. Love me or hate me, you will not forget me, and you cannot fetishize that which is so unique. I don't know. Yes, you can. What a dumb statement. I think maybe I'd care less about the fetishist if I wasn't worried that they're comprising a large portion of my available pool. 
I mean, this happens a lot. I meet people, they seem normal, and then all of a sudden, where does the talk go? It goes to transgender genitals. Lovely. This is what every person wants. Yet another sort of tax that cis people don't have to deal with. I have to deal with it. I don't like it. Because I guess we're all going to get fetishes. We're all going to get people who want wish fulfillment. I, I, on Grinder, I get asked by people, you know, will you dress me up and then find a guy, Will Hung guy, to come and, and film? People have offered me money to film them getting fucked by a guy after I've made them up to uh, look feminine. That's disgusting. Uh, no king shame, blah, blah, blah. But uh, if you're going to ask, uh, you shouldn't go on Grinder and ask random people that. You should be shamed for doing that. I will kink shame you for that. It's disgusting. I I, I did not consent to any of that. <sighs> I I just, I guess maybe I want a dating world where I'm not worried that if somebody goes out with me that they're a closeted trans woman themselves. I think, I guess so, so often we have to deal with the fact that members of our audience, whether we match with them on apps or whether they're listening to us speak or in the closet themselves and wondering how to act, all I can say is if I'm going to date with somebody, I don't want to play transgender therapist. And I don't I, I don't think... Because when somebody starts trauma dumping on you, this is something that also happens on Grindr. You know, they get hormonal and they're like, oh, I'm so depressed, blah, blah, blah. I'm not your therapist. I'm not your mother. You're sad. I don't know you. I hate to sound like an asshole, but I truly and genuinely don't care because I can choose not to because we don't know each other. I don't have to care. Your trauma is not my problem. Your fetish is not my problem. You're into trans women. That's great. You go off, you go home, and you beat off to trans women. Lovely. You know, compensate the uh, people whose porn you're watching. Don't just steal it. Those people are trying to make a living. Sex work is work. You know, you want to be part of that ecosystem. It's important to a lot of members of our community, and that's where kink shaming is, is bad because there's a lot of people who depend on it, and those are people who have consented and bought into the system, a.k.a. not me. But I guess sort of why the fetishization is, is so harmful and just yucky is, is because all I really want is a nice, normal, run-of-the-mill, mundane date. Sexual encounter where I don't feel yucky or fetishized or objectified. And because trans people have so little of that, we have to carry our guards around. And even if people are just like, oh, you're cute. I don't see gender, I'm bisexual, I am attracted to you just for you. It's so hard to just find that, that, you know, the idea of what's wrong with the people who fetishize us, what's wrong with it is the amount of poison that it leaks into all sorts of other wells. We live in a world that has uh, been so cruel and horrible to trans people that uh, we're going to have to carry a lot of this baggage for generations. I'm not sure we'll ever fully be free of it. But I'd like to be free of it. And I guess some of that involves, you know, letting my guard down, not reaching for my weapons. Not literally, but figuratively. And I, I can't shake the feeling that I would still be, at the end of the day, kind of dumb to do that. Guard step for a reason. You know? It's kind of the way it works. It's, ugh, I don't know. 
I feel like we're kind of circling the runway for a bit on the episode, and yet, for all this time that I talked, I'm not sure that I, I came to any kind of sensible conclusion about the, the idea. You know, is it wrong for a guy who's into trans women to, uh, to act on it? I guess... Maybe it's not. But it is if I know about it. I guess that's true of anybody. We hate to feel like we've gone out and had a nice time and that that person could have just slotted somebody else who basically fit all of the aesthetic, you know, the rubric that got them to ask us out in the first place. They could just swap somebody out and have the exact same experience. I guess I guess that's kind of the, the core of it. And I, I, I want to, you know, get out of there and experience all sorts of fun things and it's hard when somebody wants you to be something that you know you'll can't be because you're just yourself and i i I like to meet people for their personalities and looks are very important to me there's a lot of hot people in la are there a lot of hot normal people in la no maybe not but we'll go out and find them i guess that's the optimistic approach i don't know people are allowed to have their kinks but I would just rather, like, why can't somebody have, like, a foot fetish and not, like, a I wish you had a penis fetish? That's what we're really getting down at. Anyway, all right, I think we've we've covered enough uh, mindless ground and another stupid episode in the books. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.